broadcasting from the Ohio Valley, talking about the Ohio Valley. We're live and local. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. Walking in the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. Put a smile upon your face as if there's nothing wrong. Think about a good time had a long time ago. Think about forgetting about your worries and your woes. Walking in the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. Well, thank you there, Roger Miller. We are walking in sunshine, at least indoors. Not so much outdoors. Going to be a mostly cloudy day. High around 65 today. Still cool. 46 at the airport, 42 at the Highlands, 37. Let me double check that. That can't, Are we still 37 in my backyard? Give me one quick second. No, 40. Oh, we've gone up. 40 degrees in my backyard in Elm Grove. and still 43 here, pal. It, uh, it, we're up to 44, Howard. All right, 44 degrees, but still not much movement there. Uh, Mid-40s pretty much across the board. Uh, 44 here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Rain for tomorrow and Saturday. Partly sunny on Sunday. Temperatures roaming in the... 50s. William Mayor Glenn Elliott coming up in a minute or two. Oh, hey, you know what? I wanted to make a point. Because, you know, you, and quite frankly, a lot of my listeners and texters, mm -hmm. always criticize me for having Nancy do all the work and cooking all the food. That's so. the truth, Howard. That's not criticism. Not, that's uh, that's, not, the, that's the I truth. I just want you all to know. I want you all to know. I made my own dinner last night. How'd that work out? Well, it was not as good as if Nancy had made it, but I made my own dinner. I said to her, I said, honey, I, you know, you have other things to do. Go ahead, sit back, relax. I'm going to make my own dinner. I, I, I didn't make anything for her, but I, I'm going to make my own dinner. And then I went right there in the kitchen, and I got a loaf of bread, and I got some peanut butter, and I got some jelly, and I made a sandwich. A little snack before you made your dinner. Well, no, that was my dinner. That was it? That was, that was, that was my dinner, I, and it is certainly true, making your own sandwich is never as good as when somebody else makes it for you. But, but I made my own. I just want Some have a knack for it, and I'm, I'm sure Nancy's very, very good at that. Uh, but, well, Howard, you, you made strides. You made it, but it just wasn't as good. Well, I tried. No, I, well, yeah, I, I did. I mean, I made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I tell you part of what, this was several months ago, but part of what made me feel mm, a little embarrassed about peanut butter and jelly is, a couple of months ago, uh, Jason, and he does this frequently, he texted his mom, Nancy, and he says, uh, Mom, could you make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? And, and, and his wife said, you've got to be kidding me, Jason. You, you're having your mother make you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And, you know, Jason said, well, yeah, I'd like to. And at that point, at that point, little Teddy, little Teddy, eight-year-old Teddy, said, don't worry, Dad, I'll make your sandwich. He went into the kitchen. Teddy got the bread. He got the peanut butter. He got the jelly. And he made the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So I thought to myself last night, I was trying to give my wife a little break. And so I, I, said, I said to myself, if Teddy can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for his dad, I can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for myself. I can't let Teddy, for heaven's sakes, get better than I did. So, But anyway, I, for, I, just, I want to bring to an end the idea that I never take care of my own dinner. I made dinner last night, peanut butter and jelly for myself. 
913 here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Is that somebody, somebody's going to criticize me, aren't they? No, no, no. No criticism, Howard. Oh, yeah, I can tell. I wouldn't call that dinner, but no criticism, okay. Howard. Okay, all right, okay. Do you make your own peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? I do, and you're right. It's just not as good when you have to make it. No, it's something. Because I put too much peanut butter on, and I think, okay, I you overdid it much, there. I have way too much jelly. Yeah. Way there's a knack for that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a perfect level of blending, and I, I, I didn't reach it. Um, but I'll work. I'll work on it. Keep working at it. I'll work on it. I'll learn. Uh, 914 here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Uh, coming up in a minute, Wheeling Mayor Glenn Elliott with us. We're going to talk about homelessness. Uh, I've been warning you, we're going to talk about homelessness quite a good bit. It is the center stage story, I think, in the city of Wheeling. When I'm out and about the last couple of days, everybody is talking about that to me. So we're going to talk about it here. Get Mayor Elliott's thoughts on this after this week's council meeting, after hearing from citizens, after hearing from other council members, after hearing uh, talk about the urban camp, anti-urban camping situation. I want to ask him what he thinks about the no panhandling deal that they're doing down in uh, uh, Mon, County, Mon, Mon County. I haven't already talked about that in the city yet. I think we will at some point. So Mary Elliott is uh, coming up. Watchdog Morning Show. Why? Just think about it. Why is the number one selling brand of chainsaws not sold at Lowe's or the Home Depot? We can give you over 10,000 reasons. That's how many authorized local steel dealers you can find across the country. Visit one and you'll find a range of dependable gas and battery powered tools from trimmers to blowers. And you'll find service from experienced professionals. Real steel. Find yours at steelusa.com. Lowe's and Home Depot are trademarks of their respective companies. century of excellence three from the right wing is good <laughs> you won't find a nicer shot than that to the basket she goes she scores and the foul wvu women's basketball returns open three huge, huge make kicks it back out straight away three yes our coverage begins november 7th on your home for mountaineer women's basketball msn the mountaineer sports network You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. It's jacket and hoodie weather outside, but we're like the warm indoors. Grab your coffee and sit a spell with us. Covering the valley with over 10,000 watts of power, this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital. Come on in and set a spell with us here. Come on and set a spell with us. 917 Watchdog Morning Show. It is a Thursday edition of our program. We've been very busy this morning, and uh, 
Tomorrow's going to be a busy day as well. Always on Friday, McCabe and I have the Friday Roundtable kicking around the Ohio Valley News of the Week uh, travel show. Bill Bryson will be in. And uh, for the first time in a good while, Senator Manchin joins us tomorrow. We have not had a chance to talk to Senator Manchin on this show for a good bit. But uh, Joe Manchin is with us tomorrow here on the program as well. So a lot of stuff coming up tomorrow, as there is uh, every day. The uh, Wheeling Council meeting this week was um, pretty much filled with the homeless discussion. Council members had things to say. Uh, the mayor had a few things to say. Citizens had things to say after the meeting in the public uh, comments section. So I thought it was a good time for us to chat again about the homeless issue with Wheeling Mayor Glenn Elliott, who is here with us right now. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Uh, good morning, Mr. Monroe. Um, I don't know if you recognize this or not, but I don't think this homeless situation is going to go away. It's certainly not. Um, it hasn't gone away during the time we've been in office, and it just seems to be getting worse. And th there's a lot of um, uh, there's so many different uh, causes of this problem. Um, you know, a lot of folks here locally think this is just a wheeling specific problem, and, and it's not really. It's much more complicated than that. And uh, mental illness is is not getting the attention nationally and at the state level. Uh, you know, drug addiction solutions aren't getting the attention at the state level, and a lot of people are falling through the cracks, and it's falling to cities everywhere to deal with this problem. And it's a challenge, Howard. It's frankly a very much a challenge. Uh, Mr. Mayor, it seems to me yeah. in recent weeks or months now, the public's um, tolerance for talking about the social concerns, and I'm with you on that. Uh, I've said there are three aspects of this, and the first one is to yeah. recognize there is a real social problem with people who are homeless through no fault of their own, and we need to deal with that. But it seems to me the public concern has shifted from wanting to worry about whether these are people who need help and uh, turned more towards how the issue of homelessness is beginning to impact the city, impact the citizens, uh, impact people who are afraid to walk the streets and so on. There's been a shift, I think, in public attitude recently. Well, yeah, um, in terms of the people who reached out to us uh, via email, uh, phone calls, there's a lot of concern about, uh, particularly some of the homeless encampments where there has been some criminal activity. But at the council meeting the other night, 16 of the 19 speakers who signed up to speak uh, were very much, uh, you know, firmly coming out against the camping ban that has been proposed by a couple of members of council. So um, it's an issue where I think there are, are, are vastly different views in the community on what to do. Um, I said it, um, it was quoted by the paper, but it's very true. Well, this is a topic where Everybody has an opinion, but if you if you look around the country to see what actually works, there's very very few solutions that that have been proven to work. Um, but it's very easy to find opinions on this, and um, you know. But I'm not saying people are 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 wrong to have, have opinions, but this is not an issue that is, you know. It, I'll be very honest. When you run for office, you love to think that you know there's all these problems out there, and you go, you sit down, and you study them, and you solve them. This is just one of those issues that is incredibly elusive to find a a lasting solution. It's, a, it's as tough as they come in terms of municipal issues we've had to deal with. Several of your uh, colleagues on council did express their uh, yeah. opinion, uh, most in support, Rosemary Ketchum said, opposing the, uh, the urban camping ban that's being that you had first reading for this week. I don't recall that you took a stance on that yet, or have you? Um, yeah, I haven't come out firmly either way. I mean, the proposal... I, the ordinance was submitted by Councilman Sklavinakis, and I think he and Councilman Seidler are, are both aligned on the ordinance itself. 
Um, it's based on what was done in Parkersburg. Uh, I'm gonna, if the question were voting on that as is, I would probably be a no vote because I think it 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 um, it is a uh, well. I think the vice mayor said it in his remarks the other day. Uh, uh, just you know, cracking down on something without a plan B or a strategy to what happens next is a reaction. It's not a solution, and you know, we can't just react. We have to have a plan now. Um, if there were some amendments made to that ordinance, um, and I know some are being discussed, some were discussed on Tuesday night. For example, the vice mayor proposed to manage campsites. It's not a perfect outcome, but it's certainly better than a, a having campsites that are completely unmanaged. Uh, that's an idea out there. Councilman uh, Thorngate talked about changing some of the language in the ban on the fines uh, to instead for community service or something like that. I mean, a lot of these folks you'd be finding don't have money anyway, and, and it just seems to be, uh, uh, you know, especially uh, punitive to be finding people who are already, um, you know, lacking funds to uh, get housing. So there's some different uh, uh, conversations are going on. I know I've had some conversations with different members of council. I think the uh, there's a third issue is that the ACLU is basically threatened to, to sue us if we do pass this ban as is. Um, and I've looked into it a little bit. There may be some legal grounds on which they could. So uh, one of the ways you can avoid that is by having an alternative a place for folks to go. Um, so maybe a managed campsite and then working towards the winter shelter, which I know is in motion, it is the way to get around that. So we don't subject the like, city to a lawsuit and then having – uh, to pay legal fees and all that. So it's a complicated issue, Howard. You know, I haven't made up my mind either way. I'd probably be a no on the ban as is, but I'm certainly open to it with some uh, thoughtful thoughtful amendments. It, it seems to me, uh, and I thought the, the vice mayor, his managed camp concept is it makes some sense. Um, ben Seidler seemed to be supportive of the managed camp idea as well. Um, I, a lot, and I would just personally, I think that's a pretty good solution depending on what the that means i mean we need to know the details yeah. of what's an actual managed yeah. camp going to be the other problem with that is and we can get to that and see what you think a managed camp would be in a second but let's assume we have a managed camp one camp provided with services and so on to try and help the, the people be have a place to go and then stay off city streets uh and if it would be you know but i think the vice mayor said no, almost a zero tolerance policy. You commit a crime, then you are going to be. But then yeah. the question is, what do you? How do you end that sentence? You will be what? Fined? They can't pay fines. You're yeah. going to be thrown in jail. We talked to the city manager this week, and in his words, not one single homeless person is in jail here in the local area. The the homeless who are yeah. occasionally stopped are right back out on the street. So I like the I like the managed camp idea, depending on how we define that. But you're still up with what happens if somebody breaks the rules. Yeah, well, certainly, um, you know, one of the one of the ways to address someone who continues camping on a site that's an unauthorized site is just to remove uh, uh, remove their personal property from that site, and you know that is one way to get people's attention in that regard. You know, I um, you know I don't have an answer on exactly what the what a managed camp looks like, Howard. Um, you know, one thing that w was said the other night is, you know, we need the different organizations in, in this realm to kind of help us. Um, you know, this is not something we have a homeless liaison position. We have some folks in the city staff, but this is not something the city can manage itself. Um, and this is something where the different organizations really need to come together, I think, and help us uh, if we did have a managed camp uh, sort of help oversee that. You know, that happened back during COVID. We basically had a managed camp under the, uh, you know, on 18th Street in East Wheeling, 
uh, under the Route 2 bypass. It wasn't a perfectly set up managed camp. It was kind of a, a sort of done ad hoc. But the during COVID, uh, DOH did permit us to put a camp there. Um, and it worked pr- pr- pretty well for a while until it didn't. It got it got too big. It got too unruly as time went on. And I don't, I don't think there was enough supervision there. But it was a camp with some showers, uh, some portable johns, and, and, you know, some oversight. And that's kind of what I have in mind. I think what the vice mayor has, has in mind, what it looks like, though, it's like a, it's a very tough, uh, you know, tough needle to thread here. But I think, um, um, you know, having an, like a camp without any rules or regulations is just not, has proven not to be sustainable. These camps just continue to grow. Then you have crime both inside the camp and without. Um, you know, the one behind the Nelson Jordan Center probably does need to go soon because it, 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 I've, kept, I've probably got five or six different uh, constituent communications about that camp and about things coming out of that camp. So um, it's just, yeah, w- w- what that camp looks like is something we're going to have to kind of narrow down. And you have to uh, uh, look at all ways of deterrence. I don't think putting people in jail is the answer. I don't think finding people who don't have a lot of money or any money is the answer. Uh, but you can certainly remove their property if they are camping on an unauthorized site. You know, I, again, I don't know, have any sense of what the vice mayor has in mind or what would end up being a managed camp. To my way of thinking, you want to find a piece of property far enough away that it's not easy to be intrusive on citizens, you know, the average citizen, yeah. close enough that the those in the homeless camp can get to services that they need. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the city or whoever would operate it would provide you know, showers, as you point out, showers, dumpster, uh, uh, you know, basics, uh, portageons, and so on, um, and and maybe some kind of a, a periodic oversight uh, just to see, you know, to make sure that things are under control. But I, I mean, to me, that that has that has some value. I think that that makes some sense. But again, what do you do if they break the rules? Okay, you take their stuff away. Where do where, then yeah. they they go up yeah. and set up set up camp someplace else? I mean, that becomes the problem. Yeah. Again, it's a um, it's a, a no solution or nothing we pass in the next council meeting is going to solve this problem. But I do think, um, you know, we can we can take steps in the right direction. One thing that uh, one of the speakers on Tuesday night, someone who I respect a lot, the Dr. Mercer, he's involved with a Project Hope, yeah. uh, you know, that goes out and actually provides medical services to a lot of folks in the homeless community. And he pointed out that one of the problems with a managed camp would be. Um, like there's a handful of folks in the homeless community who are what he would what, or what he called as loners. They have a hard time living with other people, and it's going to be hard to have a camp that probably works for them because they just can't, you know, coexist in in large groups of people because of uh, whatever you know, a mental illness, paranoia, different reasons. So we also have to be thinking of that because there's probably a dozen folks in our community who would fit that. Uh, would fit that description as well. So it's, it, I think you alluded to it earlier, but there's, there's one of the things as you look at this problem, and I live downtown and I've come to know a lot of our different homeless population is there's no one way to categorize uh, people in this population. There's so many different causes that lead them there. Sometimes it may have been their own fault if they started taking drugs, but at what point, you know, if you're addicted to fentanyl, and you started as a teenager, and you're still addicted. I mean, it, yeah, I guess you could blame that person, but you know that's one of those drugs that I understand is so addictive that it has extreme physiological results if you try to get off it. So you know those people need help. Mental illness. So we have folks walking around with extreme mental illness. I I see people all all the time who you know I try to talk to, engage with them, and you know that there's just 
got some mental illness going on. And, and, you know, it used to be in years past when, when, when you were young, when I was a kid, even, um, you know, folks like that would end up in some institution yeah. and, you know, they wouldn't be walking the streets. I'm not saying that's the good outcome, but now we have a lot of folks walking the streets who aren't getting that help. Um, and it's just, what do you do with folks like that? You know, you, you can't just give them a job at a house and expect them to survive in society when they're dealing with a lot of mental illness. So um, it's a, it's a challenging issue. It's a tough issue. Uh, you know, Wheeling's not alone in this. I talked to mayors around the state, and I'm actually going to a board meeting tonight with the different uh, for the West Virginia Municipal League. And and, and there's, I guarantee this topic's going to come up because it's happening in a lot of cities. You saw what Parkersburg just did. So, um, you know, we need to look at you know uh, look at what cities are doing that have success. The Life Hub itself is based on a, a successful model of getting people into housing first and then trying to assess like their needs. It's very hard to get your life in order if you're living in a tent. So that's the idea of the Life Hub. It needs a lot of funding. The city can't fund it alone. We're going to need state and federal assistance. We're going to need a lot of philanthropy as well. But, um, you know, I like that direction, but we're just uh, probably several years away from having a, you know, up and running, fully functional Life Hub in the way it's been envisioned. You're opening up a lot of questions for me. One of them is this Life Hub. I still don't really fully understand what, and I'm not sure that anybody does, what this Life Hub is actually going to do. I get the broad strokes. I hear everybody talking about it, but yeah, you know, I, I, I is is it designed to get people into housing? Um, I know they're going to provide services. Yeah. I guess they're going to provide some shelters there, which I think is an absolute mistake. Yeah. Um, but, but to me, that life hub is still, for all the talk we've done, it's still a giant question mark. It is. It is Howard. I'll be the first to admit. Look, um, you know, we've had some questions on its structure, and I think those have been worked through. Um, the idea of a low barrier shelter is just that if we have shelters out there now, but they all come with different rules and regulations, and so a lot of folks will choose not to go into those shelters because they'd rather live without those rules and regulations. And it's very hard to get help to those folks when they're living in a in a in a tent or in a campsite somewhere because. At that point, you're just focused on basic survival. You're not focused on making changes or, you know, taking steps to get help or rehabilitation. The idea of a low-barrier shelter is, you know, just, you know, have a – I mean, you have to have some rules, obviously, for violence and other things else. But, but basically have a shelter where you get people inside first and you have representatives from the different organizations with a physical presence there. And, you know, you, you have a social worker assigned to each person and, you know, like to figure out what is the best course of treatment or help for this person. We have different organizations that are very good at different types of treatment and help. Um, but it's but it's not a one size fits all thing. So you you need that sort of it, sort of individualized attention. Uh, that's the idea of the life hub. It's not a cheap concept, uh, but it's been done with some success in some different cities. Uh, Pittsburgh is trying it as well. Um, you know, I think it's the best. A housing first strategy is the best way to do this because if you think you're going to just solve people's problems from their campsite, um, it's it's not going to work. But let me let me be a voice of many of the citizens here, and this is sure. partly me as well. We we already have a lot of services for the homeless, and we maybe yep. need more, and we need to get more attuned to getting them out of camps and into housing, and all of those things are true. But And there are plenty of homeless advocates around right now. We heard from many of them uh, this past week at council. We saw many of them outside uh, City Hall. Uh, last week uh, protesting the closing of the camp there are homeless advocates somebody's going to start speaking up for the citizens and who are who are bothered by all of this i'm i'm a thousand percent with you we have got to deal with the social issue that is homelessness 
But there is a societal issue. There is a citizen issue there, which I think is a city responsibility even more than dealing with homelessness to, to provide the citizens, I don't want to use the word safety, but to, be, to, be, to, to not be fearful that they can't walk the trail, to not be fearful that they can't yeah. go to certain areas. And I, I think, quite frankly, that is a, that's an overriding city issue that, that needs to be dealt with. It is certainly something, uh, you know, if you listen to the, the facts and figures that, um, you know, Councilman Squabinakis uh, uh, noted when he uh, uh, submitted the ordinance, um, suggesting that, you know, some 40 percent of the crimes over the last three months of the summer w- did involve folks who were homeless. Now, I don't I've not confirmed those numbers. I have no reason to dis to disbelieve them. But it is a problem. And, you know, we've I've um, you know, we, 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 we've certainly I, I made the point before. Uh, that, you know, dealing with homelessness through law enforcement is a very imperfect tool. Um, you know, like they're not trained as social workers. They're not trained always to deal with the situations. But, you know, obviously we have to have their involvement when people do get to the point of committing crimes. Um, you know, I live downtown. My wife walks on the trail all the time. You know, it's a concern for me, too, and I'm very worried about it. But, um, you know, you have to think about the city as a whole. Um I, I think if you look at our safety and security numbers, we're pretty good compared to most cities of this size. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of violent crime and wheeling. We do have some theft. We do have drug uh, drug use. We have some other activities. But in terms of random acts of violence in wheeling, it's a pretty low number. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it's a pretty low number. Uh, we can always do better. Um, but, you know, I know we ask our police department to do a lot. Um, one of the reasons we've given them all the tools we have, a new head, headquarters, take-home cars, you know, all sorts of new technology is, you know, so they can uh, keep us safe, and I think they do a great job of it. But, but all, Mr. Mayor, I, all of that yeah. all of that still, and, and I can't disagree with anything that, that you said, yep. and maybe it's more perception than reality, I don't know, but I do know this, that you have a growing number of people who are yep. concerned about literally walking some of the streets of downtown Wheeling, and particularly the trail and so on. And yeah. that that somehow, some way, that's got that's got to be addressed. I, again, we can't just say, "Well, but we have to take care of the homeless." Yes, we do, but we have to take care of the citizens who are fearful of what's happening there as well. Yeah. So I don't I don't have the solution, and I know you you say I don't want problems, I want <laughs> solutions. So uh, I think a managed camp is a solution. Uh, on a on a separate issue, just very quickly. Um, because I've been saying on the show here, I think this problem is threefold. Their solutions are threefold. Number one is what we spent most of our time talking about. There is a very serious social issue with homelessness, and we've got to figure out how to help those people. Number two is this issue of public safety, which I think right now has risen above the concern for homeless people in the minds of most citizens. We've got to find ways to make people feel more comfortable and confident in walking on the trail and elsewhere. Number three is an issue which we haven't talked much at all about recently, the tangential issue of panhandling, uh, which is more of a nuisance than it is a, maybe a public safety issue. But I'm curious whether you have looked at what they're talking about doing down in Montague County uh, in terms of the uh, panhandling ordinance. I've not looked at the Montague County issue. Um, you know, I've looked at the issue before. I do know that's one of those issues where there are some free speech components that come in. Um, you can't, for example, unless things have changed, you can't um, uh, ban pan- panhandling on on a particular spot and don't uh, unless you ban all forms of speech there. So, for example, near Perkins, uh, you know, when the uh, a fire department does a boot drive there, you know, they may line up there or the Boy Scouts or something may line up there to uh, solicit funds. 
that so is, if you ban panhandling there, you have to ban and that is the, And that is exactly yeah. what Monongalia County is yeah. proposing. Okay. We had Tom Bloom, their yeah. county commission president, on yeah. this week. Uh, they're calling it a, a street and pedestrian safety ordinance. It's being done yeah. specifically to provide safety of the streets. Nobody, including the boots, and as well as panhandlers, nobody can be on uh, public medians, public right-of-ways, and so on. Uh, it's all-encompassing, and it would indeed stop some of those things, the boots as well. But it, it is directed not at panhandlers, but at anybody who is intruding on a public right-of-way or public street or public median. I think it's a pretty good idea. It's been tried in, I believe, Beckley, uh, Tom Bloom told us, uh, without any legal challenges. Uh, they've had their legal department look at it. It is a it is an option. I think it ought to be looked at here as well. But I just I just throw that out for yeah. consideration. It's certainly an option, but you hate to take away the right of folks to raise funds for different things that where they've done it, you know, in years past because of a couple people who may be, uh, you know, showing up there who are homeless. But you know, it's it's certainly something to look at. You know, we don't get we get a handful of complaints about the folks near Perkins. That's probably the most visible one. There's usually some folks. You know, get, like when you get off the bridge, Fort Henry coming into downtown, you know, we get a handful of complaints about those. I don't, I've never got any public safety complaints about them, just like folks who don't want to have to see a homeless person. But um, look, you know, about the last estimate we had, about 270 people in Wheeling are you know, currently homeless. That's about 1% of our population. Um, you know, we can't treat this entire population like they like, like they're lepers. I mean, they have a right to to exist. But, but I, Our, boy, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah. I, I hate to argue yeah. with you because I, I usually am pretty much on your side, Mister. But yeah. but you also can't ignore the concerns of the citizens. You can't ignore the people who are worried. I don't know what the percentage is, but I'll bet you it's more than one yeah. percent of your constituents across the city that are worried about the problems caused by yeah. the homeless and, and even by panhandling. Yeah. I mean, that's, you, that just has to be, be something that's got to be forefront in your mind. It, well, it is because I get, I, I get emails and calls about it a lot. Um, but you have to separate perception from reality here. Um, but people who are afraid to walk downtown to me are, are, are basing their information on something that is entirely um, you know, perception, but not based on reality. I've lived downtown for 10 years. I have a wife and a 20-month-old son who walk everywhere downtown. And, and you know, almost never uh, has, any, has any of us felt like we don't feel safe walking around downtown. Uh, maybe once or twice on, on the trail, my wife felt a little bit uncomfortable. There's a couple parts of the trail that are a little bit, you know, secluded. But for the most part, you know, well, we've not seen any issue downtown. Now, uh, um, you know, are there parts of the of the town, you know, where we can do a better job, yes. But, you know, a lot of the perception out there is just based on, on, uh, frankly, things that aren't, aren't substantiated, except like maybe a Facebook post. But if you look at actual data, yeah, but, uh, the know. evidence of random acts of violence against citizens of Wheeling is incredibly low compared to, you know, a lot of other, other cities. Now, the fear of, intimi that Mayor, the that, fear, the fear of yeah. intimidation is is not necessarily violence, yeah. not not somebody being yeah. beaten with a stick, although we have the guy walk with a machete up in East Wheeling. But, yeah. but fear of intimidation. There was on the Stone Bridge in Elm Grove just yesterday a homeless guy, uh, and I know he's homeless because he had a big sign that said homeless, um, wandering up and down the bridge, uh, peeking into the cars as he walked by. Um, did, did he... Did he punch anybody, hit anybody, smash windows? No, but that's intimidating, and that creates a problem for, you know, a lot of people. Hey, I'm getting to be an old guy anymore. I don't, I'm, 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 you know, I, well, I worry more about that stuff. No, it, look, um, you know, I'm fine. If, if you want to send me what Mon did or I can look at what Mon did, you know, uh, that's a, um, you know, looking at that, you know, at the panhandling question, 
is entirely separate conversation. We it can is. look at it. I agree. You know, yes, yeah. it is. It is. Um, I, I agree with that. It, Listen, something to look at, but that's not that's not the bulk of the complaints that I get. I get more complaints about people who are fearful or whatever. Yeah. And the camp above Nelson Jordan Center, I'll be the first to admit, that camp has gotten out of control. We've had some complaints from central parents of students there, um, you know, about, you know, that kids being approached, going to basketball practice, whatever, that's completely unacceptable. And, you know, that's something that, you know, our, our police are aware of and we've, we've tried to crack down on. And that's one of the reasons the city manager wants to close down that camp in particular because of its proximity to its school and everything else. So, um, you know, um, but in terms of actual harm done by home, homeless people, you know, I don't it, 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 I think the perception and reality here are a little bit skewed. And, and I think we have to be mindful of that just to, so we don't demonize an entire group of people uh, because of the acts of one or two. Uh, the guy carrying the machete around was clearly a problem. I believe that's the same individual who assaulted a city employee. Um, so that's, you know, um, the, uh, that's one situation that was very unfortunate that uh, that I believe our police have been dealing with. But. Um, you, like the vast majority of homeless folks aren't dangerous or aren't threats. Um, it may make us uncomfortable to see them, but you know, well, um, I, you know, I, you go I, to any large city across the country, and you're going to see homeless people on a regular basis. Yeah, it's, but we're not a large yeah. city, and yeah. one of the reasons we're here I agree. is because I, we're not. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Mayor, I got to run. I'm dramatically behind time. <laughs> hey. Let's do this again because I want to keep the conversation going. I, 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 anytime. I, you know, there's there's a lot at issue here. And it's not. There's no. There's no easy solution. I'm. I'm a thousand percent be with you on that. Uh, so we'll we'll continue the conversation. But I'm. I got to run out of here right now. Which means I don't, don't get to ask you the question that one of my listeners said. If I ask you, I would get a free lunch out of. But I'll ask you the question. Oh, no. I'll ask you the the question next time. I got to run. Talk okay. to you later. Thanks very much, uh, William Mayor Glenn Elliott. Let's get quickly to the newsroom and a break, and then Bob Westfall. Good morning, I'm Rebecca Little with a look at your morning headlines for this Thursday, October 19th. Village of Bethlehem Mayor Aaron Snyder announced his resignation in a Facebook post on Tuesday. Snyder said he is resigning as mayor effective October 31st due to, quote, health reasons and unforeseen circumstances. Snyder was sworn in as Bethlehem Mayor back in June of 2022, making him the youngest mayor in Ohio County history. For a full look at his statement, head to our website, WTRF.com. Meanwhile, police are still searching for a dangerous suspect this morning after they were led on a chase. Officials have identified him as 44-year-old Joshua Edward Houston with the last known address of Canton, Ohio. Houston allegedly stole a car out of Stark County and the pursuit began in Uricksville. Eventually, the car was abandoned on Interstate 77 in New Philadelphia. Police say, Please keep your safety a priority, but call 911 right away if you see him. And in other news, a teacher has been placed on administrative leave after a video shows she allegedly dragged a student. We'd like to note the teacher is not being charged with anything at this point. Harrison Central said elementary school teacher Jessica Nine was placed on paid administrative leave effective October 9th. In a statement, the school district said they are investigating the situation and cannot comment further right now. Stay with 7 News and WTRF.com for updates. And new this morning, the Weirton Transit Corporation's dissolution process is underway, but transportation services are going to continue. Last Tuesday, the city made the decision to take over transit operations and develop a new department within the city government. This comes after years of financial troubles for the Weirton Transit Corporation, which was established back in the late 1980s. There's no timetable on the next meeting in this process. Stay with 7 News and WTRF.com for updates. That was a look at your 7 News headlines. I'm Rebecca Little on this Thursday, October 19th. Have a great day, everybody.
With the weather changing, now's a great time to head on into your local Toyota dealer, where legendary performance and reliability go hand in hand. Check out a sporty Camry with available all-wheel drive and Toyota Safety Sense, or the spacious RAV4, turning heads with amazing fuel efficiency. And now, explore Toyota like never before, with hybrids, plug-in hybrids, and full electric options. Visit buyatoyota.com today. Offers end October 31st. Toyota, let's go places. Is your business protected from cyber threats? In today's world, it's more important than ever to have a cybersecurity plan in place. But with so many different solutions out there, it can be hard to know where to start. That's where Omni Strategic Technologies comes in. We're a technology support firm with a strong focus on cybersecurity. We have a team of local experts who can help you assess your risks, develop a plan, and implement the right tools to serve and protect your business. If you want to get serious about cybersecurity, choose Omni Strategic Technologies for the peace of mind knowing that your business is protected and prepared. Last year, they took on the NFL and beat the spread. This season, they plan on doing it again. If you want to cash in, tune in every Saturday morning from 8 to 9 for Good Old Boys on Sports with Bear and Bob here on the Watchdog Radio Network and the All Sports Saturday Morning. Good Old Boys is all we'll ever be. Great conversation continues now on the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. Nobody seems to listen. No one ever smiles the way that you do. So I guess you'll never hear me. Nobody seems to listen. I'm thinking that that's kind of the situation I had with the bear. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure he was hearing what I was saying, Bob. I don't know. Nah, he, I think he heard you, Howard, but uh, he wanted to move on maybe. You know, the 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 uh, I am, and probably more so than you, but, but I am absolutely 1,000% of the belief that we do have to deal with the problem of the homeless, and we have to have sympathy for them. We have to provide services for them. But also, and particularly if you're a city official, you have to have concern for the citizens who are bothered by this. And like it or not, perception or not, violence or just intimidation, there is concern by the citizens. Maybe I'm reading this wrong. I don't think so. That, that this homeless situation has gotten a bit out of hand. And, and we, we can't just keep saying... We have to provide services and try and get them housing. We do. But in the meantime, what do you do about the people who are afraid to walk the trail? The mayor's not afraid to walk the trail. That's fine. He's a hale and hearty young man, you know, protects his woman and all that kind of... I shouldn't even say that. She probably can handle herself, so I shouldn't say that. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a decrepit old guy. I, I, I don't want to walk the trail with somebody shadowing behind me you know it's maybe not going to but it's, there's a problem there there is and I, i'm not going to say that uh, mayor elliott uh, said this he did a little bit but i get really irritated 
when people say, well, Columbus or Pittsburgh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'd be making a lot more money if I worked and lived in Columbus. I don't. I live in Elm Grove, West Virginia. It's like people who say uh, when we complain about traffic, well, you ought to go to New York City. Well, yeah. No, that's the reason I'm not in that's, New York City. That's right. You and know. when we go, we take a cab or we walk or we don't worry about it because right. we're on vacation. As you said, I don't think he meant it quite the way we're taking it, but, but he said but it People that say that all the time. Yeah. Wheeling is not a big city. It used to be a lot bigger than, than it is now, but it was never in, in, the, in the ballpark of a Columbus but, or know, a Pittsburgh I, or I Atlanta. We have too many big city problems already, and I don't want to have any more. And again, I, this issue of the homeless thing is just is – just, there are solutions. I mean, I, I, I think there are solutions. I think this managed camp idea done right has potential. However, before it's passed by council – we need to know exactly what are they talking about and where are they talking about. But and, I like that idea. And I do, too. And the other thing that I want to say one more time, I said this yesterday. I, the other thing that irritates me, well, Wheeling has to be, become compassionate. Our compassion is what causes the problem. That's why the homeless have flocked to Wheeling, because we are so compassionate. We feed them in a couple of different spots. And when it get cold, we say, come on in. And, I, I, and I'm okay with that, but if we're going to do that, we've got to weed out, I don't, I don't know what other phrase to use, we've got to recognize that that's going to create problems as a spinoff from that. I don't even have a problem. I know you do. Many people do. I got several texts already today about this, you know, people coming in. I, that's fine. I don't want to, I don't care about for Compassionate City, but the Compassionate City has to protect its citizens first. And there needs to be, and with due respect to the mayor, it isn't just whether there's, quote, violence, as in somebody was attacked and then arrested for a crime. There is, an, I, I call, I'm calling it intimidation. There is an in, in, intimidation factor. There is just a, a sense that things aren't right. And the, the city has got to figure out, somebody has got to figure out a way to deal with that. And I go back to part of the idea of the homeless liaison, I thought, first of all, was to work out more ways to get people off of being homeless, and now it's transformed more into providing more services for the homeless. An agent. And the other thing is, it somewhat ties in with, I was going to ask the mayor about this and I didn't, it somewhat ties in with Ben Seidler's point that homelessness is big business here in the city of Wheeling. We still have, my perception is, based on some fairly informed information, we have too many agencies at issue with each other. Instead of working all together, and I thought that's what the homeless liaison was going to do, get them all around the table and let's all work together. And I still think there's a lot of people vying for their own, using what Ben was talking about. I think what he was talking about is each of them have their own grants and their own funding, and they don't want to give up their funding for somebody else's funding. And that's part of the problem. Yeah, it's, it's what they do for a living. They need that money. That's, that, that's good. That's what they do. Uh, and, and, Howard, I, I'm, a, I'm a very petty person, but I thought of this also. And you'll probably say, ah, Bob, you're too petty. Ah, Bob, you're too If petty. it was election year, I think they'd be doing a lot more because the citizens are the one that actually vote. I don't know how many votes they get down there under the, the bypass, but I'm not thinking as many as the citizens who are concerned about this. Well, let me say two things. First of all, it is an election year. For who? For council. Remember, well, council. maybe those are the ones that are more concerned than the other ones. I mean, then Howard, the council and the mayor elections are in spring, so we're we're in the heat of the. Season. But our mayor is not up for election. The mayor is not. Right. A mayor is up for election, but not our current mayor is not running for election. Um, and there was a second part of what you just said that was in my mind, and this is why I say I'm an old guy. <laughs> um, so are the people making noise on council the ones oh, oh, that no. are up for election, no, no, Howard? Here's what I wanted to say. Um, 
It is true, I don't think, that the people under the bridge are going to vote, but, and I think this is, a, this is a, a calculated risk that Rosemary Ketchum is making when she said this week she was not going to support this uh, urban uh, camping proposal, but there is a large group of homeless advocates, homeless supporters, family and friends of those who are supporters of that, that do vote. And they're, they're very active. Again, look at the people who showed up at, in front of City Hall last week to protest the closing of the camp. No, the homeless don't necessarily vote, but those who are advocates do vote, and they're very vocal. But and they have to be in the ward. I could see where that would come into play on right, a mayor but, but, against well, a mayor, mayor over but, here. But, but there's a mayor race as well, so, you know. They, you can't be afraid of that, though. I'm, I'm sorry. And I, I was a little bit surprised by the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the people out, out, for, out there protesting or, or demonstrating. I was surprised, and that's great. But we all got to get on the same page. It, it, it's just too much. Well, again, I, the problem is I don't think we are. We are, but I think that. There's too many groups doing too many different things. They're not on the same page. So, As I have said on several occasions this week, and I will say it again, if you're tired of the homeless conversation, you might want to listen to the country station because we are going to continue this to, as much as I can, from many different angles as I can, all over the next several weeks. Um, so I, you know, I'm looking for different angles, different approaches. We had Tom Bloom from Mon County on earlier this week. I'm a little surprised the mayor wasn't aware of that. It's gotten some publicity. So, But he told me to send him some information. I'll be happy to do that. Um, but if, if you don't want to hear us talk about the homeless, you know, I don't know what to tell you because it's going to be here uh, a good bit. Six to the hour. You also know what we're going to do every day. Talk to Bob Westfall from the Big 7, WTRF-TV. Good morning, Bob. Morning, Howard. How's everything in your world? The world is going good. You know, I told really? everybody here, you know what? I made my own dinner last night, Bob. I made my own dinner. What? Yeah. Peanut butter and, and jelly. Peanut, TV dinner? Peanut, butter, pe peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh. Made it myself. Your wife must be so proud. I made it my Hey, I was proud. I made it myself. I told her, I said, honey, you sit there. Sit there. I'll take care of dinner. Did you, well, Google, did you Google the instructions? Yeah, they said, go get a loaf of bread. Yeah. <laughs> I said part of the reason was my eight-year-old grandson not too long ago, my, my son, had texted my wife and said, Mama, can you make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Oh, uh, yeah. His eight-year-old son said, Daddy, I will make you a peanut butter and jelly And he did. My grandson made it. So I figured if Teddy could make it, I could make it. But anyway, so that's I'm proud of that. I made my own dinner last night, Bob, just so you know. I, I made my own dinner. Bob Slider, you made your own dinner last night? I do, Howard. I've been in the habit of it lately. What uh, What'd you have last night? Last, peanut butter and jelly? No, I fried up some ham and fried potatoes, Howard. Old, a country Ooh, dinner last fried night. Fried up. That, that You do that like on the stove or something? Yeah, fry, wow. skillet, Howard. You got to get skillet. a skillet. You skillet. put a little oil in there and you that's fry thing, it up. It's got a handle on that. And a big. Okay, I got it. <laughs> yeah, that sounded really good, Bob. Actually, it did sound pretty good. Yeah. All right. Bob Westfall, what do you got going for us today? All right, several things we got going. Uh, day part, day two of our celebration of our 70th anniversary continues today. We're going to take a look back at WTRF history. Bailey Martin's put that package together. That'll air today in R5. Um, as you know, next Tuesday will be the 70th anniversary of WTRF TV in Wheeling. So we'll have that. And here on this radio program uh, next Tuesday, Brenda Danehart and some other members of your team are going to be in here. We're going to celebrate the 70th birthday of Channel 7 here on the Watchdog Morning Show. And it didn't strike me until DK was here interviewing me 
I'm the same age as Channel 7. Channel 7 and yes, I were born the same year. Yeah, that's amazing. Yes, yes yeah. you are. Yep. Um, yes. So, and Channel 7 is pretty old. So, go from there. And so, uh, I got it. I got it. So, anyways, but uh, we'll, okay. we'll, have a, we'll have our own little tribute here. And you guys are going to be doing a lot of stuff over the next week, as I understand it. Uh, on yep. air to to commemorate that. Um, so yeah. uh, you had a piece. I don't know if it was on air. I did, saw it online yesterday about how the, how the technology has changed so much since the that creation. That was our first piece yesterday. Yeah. Yep, I was excited about that one. So yeah, that was uh, Steve Moore. So he knocked that one out of the park. Um, so I like that one. Uh, a couple other things to do. To, uh, Annalise is going to do more with the Franciscan students that were evacuated from Israel um, uh, during the Hamas attack. Uh, about well, it's actually rolling into two weeks now. So we'll have that. Uh, let's see, Amanda Carmen is scheduled to be sentenced this afternoon um, at 1 o'clock in Ohio County. Um, she is the ex-wife of William Carmen, uh, found guilty uh, murdering um, a woman in Mozart. So we've got, uh, we'll have that update this afternoon. Annalise Murphy will be covering that. Uh, something for education. USDA is giving grants to McKinley STEM School in Steubenville. Uh, we're going to talk to them about what that's going to be. Uh, one of the more prestigious schools, actually, in the Valley. It seems like they're always getting awards and nationally and uh, nationally recognized. We're excited about that. And Rebecca, Rebecca Little went to Washington, PA, for a story called Iron Blast. It's uh, one of the largest freestanding game zones in the country, and it happens to be in Washington, PA. So we're going to have that at 5 o'clock today. Uh, watching the weather, uh, looks like it's spotty here and there. And sports, uh, I think it's week 10. We're gearing up for week 10 in Ohio and week 9. And a lot of people looking for playoff spots. So we'll see what happens. All right, appreciate it. Check things out at noon, 5, 6, 10, 11, 5, 30, the region-wide show. Always at WTRF.com, the award-winning website. And put the Storm Tracker 7 app and the news app on your smartphone or your tablet, and you're never away from Channel 7 News when you need it. Bob, good talking to you. We'll do it again tomorrow. All right, thanks, guys. Talk Mr. Slider, I guess we'll do it again tomorrow, too. What do you think? Wrap tomorrow up. is Friday, isn't it? We will, it will actually be Friday. I can't wait for Friday. It's payday, Howard. It's the highlights of the weekday. I, we have a couple of things that could highlight this week. I'm not it's sure. been a great week, really. It's been a fantastic week. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to go for. for the You can't screw it up tomorrow, then, Howard. Well, certainly can. <laughs> certainly can, but let's hope we don't. Time to say sayonara. See you. Bye-bye. Farewell. i got to go. i got to get out of here. Kurt's got the comm coming up next. Slider and I back tomorrow morning at 7 right here.